Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Steve Sparky. Pfeiffer on 1250 AM. The fan time for another Milwaukee sports timeout with our guy Jason Hirschhorn. Follow him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. He, of course, co-founder of The Leap, a Packer newsletter, of course, uh, covers the NFL and college football for SB Nation. We broadcast live from the Wendy's studios. When the Bucks win, you win at Wendy's. Don't forget, within 24 hours at uh, participating Wisconsin, Wendy, get yourself a free Frosty. Haven't been doing a lot of winning lately, but hopefully that will change uh, coming up here in the new future. The Packers, they've been doing quite a bit of winning, including getting a win on Christmas Day uh, against the Miami Dolphins, led by that defense there in the second half, getting uh, three interceptions, plus they had a forced fumble in that game uh, as well. Uh, Was that the most surprising aspect from this Packers game? Was that Packers defense, Jason? If you're just looking at the numbers, I think you can reach that conclusion, but when you actually watch the game, as I'm sure many of the people listening to this do, you know, the forced fumble, that was on the defense. They created that opportunity, both the strip and the recovery. Some of those picks are kind of on the Dolphins and Tua Tungvalu yes. in particular, right? Yep. Like, those were gimmies that the Packers took advantage of. And good, that's what you want them to do if you're Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator. But you're not just gifted those opportunities every game, right? Like, there's a reason we don't see this Packers defense producing that many turnovers on a weekly basis. So, Some of this is just fortuitous, kind of going to the whole Christmas miracle thing, along with some other non-Packers things that affect them that I'm sure we're going to discuss at some point. But yeah, I feel like that defensive performance was was of quality, right? Like they stopped the run for the most part. It was one of their better days against the run, and that's been an issue for them for a long time. But you can't overlook how much help the Dolphins gave them. Yeah, but did they stop the run? I mean, they they quit running the football. It, McDaniel, in my opinion, lost that game for the Dolphins. It never should have came down to two of throwing the football. You got one guy averaging, what, five and a half yards per carry, the other one averaging over four between Mostert and Wilson, and they just quit running the football. Both of those guys should have had more carries than they did. The Packers had a couple of plays where they stopped the run, and McDaniel went away from it. And to me, that's how the Dolphins lost the game. I think that's a little simplistic for this reason. If you look at how the Packers lined up against the Dolphins, and not just early in the game, that they did this kind of thing throughout the contest, they were trying to take away the run via defensive alignment. You know, we saw that penny package they've used so much where they have all of those down linemen and edge defenders just basically playing on a line across the line of scrimmage. And when you're facing that, The defense is daring you to pass. That's what the Packers were trying to do. So, yeah, the Dolphins didn't run a lot in this game. That is fair to say, but there's a reason for it. It wasn't like 
Mike McDaniel, the head coach and play caller for the Dolphins, just forgot that the running game is an option. He was looking at what the Packers were presenting and saying, our best bet is to throw. And, you know, if Tua doesn't make some gobsmacking decisions, he's probably right on that bet, which, again, goes back to why I think this is more about how the Dolphins made too many mistakes in a game that they really should have won than the Packers really finding something new on defense. Again, they, they did some things good. I don't want to take that away from them. But you really have to discuss all parts of this when we're breaking down the performance. I think the fact that they were able to overcome injuries the way they were, the Packers, uh, was truly amazing. I mean, when Royce Newman came in at right tackle, I was petrified. Uh, and then he gets a couple flags. But overall, I don't think he was god-awful like he's been in the past this year. Uh, and then, you know, you talk about your your most dynamic playmaker on special teams and Nixon going down. Uh, and he started off with a bang uh, to start off this game uh, to begin with. Didn't know how that was going to play out. You lose Watson. We've seen what this offense looks like without Watson. It's not been that good. So you didn't know how that was going to play out the rest of the game. I, I, I just think, and then Lowry, Devontae White finally gets a chance to get more snaps and he shows why he should have been playing more probably to begin with. That, to me, was probably the most impressive part of this whole thing is how they overcame injuries and still were able to win. I'm completely with you on this. And when you look at those first three names that you mentioned, Yash Nyman, Keyshawn Nixon, and Christian Watson, this is one of the things that we discussed at the leap today, like which one of those was most impactful. Because while they do have other receivers who can produce, I mean, we've seen Romeo Dobbs, including in this game, produce they don't have someone who's as electric as Christian Watson and you saw that most in the red zone right like when Watson wasn't there or when the defense seemed to take him away that's when things really fell apart for them and and Nyman plays a big role in this too right like they've had a lot of depth tested on that offensive line and they're kind of near the end of that with Bakhtiari out with Zach Tom moving to left tackle and then Nyman going out and Royce Newman coming in Newman had a very Royce Newman game it wasn't a complete disaster, but, you know, you mentioned all the problems he had, the, the penalties. He had a couple of really bad blocks on key downs that led to some third and fourth downs that were very difficult for the Packers. They were able to survive it. I don't know that they're going to be able to do that for a full game, which makes next week so interesting. Because if Nyman can't come back, if Bakhtiari's not ready to come back, Newman's going to start. I think that's pretty fair to say at this point, and that's a much bigger question against the Minnesota Vikings. And then the Nixon part of this. This was probably, at least up until the injury, his best game. He had the near touchdown return that really gave a jolt to the Packers. I don't know what they're going to do without him. He's one of their most beneficial players, not literally an offense, but he essentially operates like an offensive player with the field position that he's giving them. They don't have anybody else who can do that. I think at this point there's no doubt about that. So all three of those merit so much consideration. I know Watson told reporters after the game that he says that he'll be all right. And that could mean that he's back next week. It could also mean that he's back in two weeks or hypothetically not back until some point in mid-January. Like, we don't know that information yet. So all of that is super significant. The Packers are able to overcome all of those things. And we've seen them earlier in the season crumble under much less pressure than this. But it was a very resilient performance of the Packers considering all of that context. Jason, what about Aaron Jones? Uh, I think a lot of Packer fans frustrated that he's not, you know, g- getting more usage in this offense. But he's been battling injuries. He's being dinged up. Do you think that's the major uh, thing right now with Jones? It has to be right. Like he was on the injury report pretty much the entire week. I, I know that he didn't have a final designation on that Friday injury report, suggesting that he was going to play, but. He's clearly dealing with something or some things. And the team, while being somewhat honest about it, right, like he's on that injury report, they're not really giving us the full detail here. 
they seem like they're playing Jones as though they're reserving him for the closing situation, not necessarily at the end of games, where we need to make a play now and it needs to come from our backfield. That's when they're using Aaron Jones. And if that's all he can handle right now, that's probably the right way to deploy him. A.J. Dillon, well, I know like the efficiency numbers aren't great with him, you know, he can be an effective running back in that backfield, both as a ball carrier and as a receiver. Like, there's a reason why you spent the second-round pick on him. It's so that you have that kind of insurance if something happens to Jones. Patrick Taylor has also played reasonably well in that tertiary role. So if you need to reserve Jones's snaps for key situations, that's probably the right move. And then see if you can get him on track for a larger role later in the season and maybe even in the postseason if and when he gets right. I guess that's the best way to look at it. Clearly, he's not 100% right now. The safety play on this team leaves a lot to be desired and has left a lot to be desired uh, throughout the course uh, of the year. Uh, your thoughts on this safety play as they get ready to take on you know, a guy in Justin Jefferson that gave them fits. Now, again, if we remember correctly, I think Alexander wanted to cover him one-on-one and, and wasn't allowed the opportunity, so maybe that'll change uh, this next time when they play the Vikings. But I, I fear the safeties. That, that's what I fear. Adrian Amos hasn't had as good a year as he's had in the past. Savage ended up having to play in the second half, uh, but he lost his job at safety as well. Uh, your thoughts on that position? Yeah, it's a problem for the Packers, and it's a problem that they're not going to be able to address until the offseason. As pertains to the Miami game and next week's game against the Vikings, there's not really a lot you can do against those kind of receivers. Like To a certain degree, the thing that Joe Barry likes to do, the heavy zone coverage, is actually the right approach with receivers like that. When you have that much speed, which obviously Miami does in both Tyree Hill and Jalen Waddell, you can't just man up against the majority of the game, independent of who's playing quarterback. Like They will beat you. You have to do some kind of zone and hope that the communication is strong enough that you don't get too many busts. Adrian Amos has had a rough year. I also would point out that most safeties in those positions are going to have tough times because there just isn't a lot of ways that a defense can defend receivers of that magnitude. I think this is going to be the case next week too. Long term, this is a big worry for the Packers because replacing one safety in an offseason is doable. Replacing two we don't know what the scheme's going to be, obviously. We don't know who's going to be the defensive coordinator in 2023, but that's a big deal. I think it's probably the biggest question the Packers face going into the offseason. No, we're not there yet, but you know that that front office is already thinking about things in those terms. It's funny. It's like you knew my next question, because my next question was, I think a lot of Packer fans feel like Joe Barry is out after this year and we go to see yet another defensive coordinator. I just wonder whether or not, uh, you know, if this team gets into the playoffs and this defense continues to take the ball away, whether or not Joe Barry can save his job and be back again next year. I have not been told anything that suggests that there's no way in which Joe Barry could return, but that's not the same as saying, I think there's a viable path to Joe Barry returning. The Packers could obviously make the playoffs, and we've discussed that. They need to win their last two games, and they just need one loss from the Commanders or a couple other scenarios that are somewhat similar to make it to the postseason, that would certainly help his case, but it's not going to make it for him. The Packers would have to go on a deep run where the defense plays well for that to be a real consideration. We've seen that Matt LaFleur has not been afraid to make changes. He's already made multiple changes as special teams coordinator. He's made changes, obviously, already as defensive coordinator. Even after his first year, he made changes to some of the assistant positions, the positional coaches. I don't think he's going to hesitate to make this move, even though Joe Barry is someone that he goes back a long way with, right? Like they coach together in L.A. They have other connections through some of the other coaches that they've worked with. I don't think it's going to stop him, though, if the defense is still performing overall like it has this season. And there's no reason to think at this point 
that that's going to change. And they're going to have options. Remember, back in 2020, when they were making the defensive coordinator change the first time, the number one choice of the Packers, Matt LaFleur's top option, was Jim Leonard, the now former interim head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. He's available. He did not stay on that staff. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Not all of them have to do with the NFL or the Green Bay Packers. But I do think that's going to be in serious consideration again when they get to that point because Jim Leonard has a lot to offer. I think after not getting the Wisconsin job, based on what I have been told, that he's more open to things like the NFL, whereas last time it was something where, yeah, if someone really blew him away, he would consider it, but it was going to take a godfather offer. Now I think it's really on the table for him, and not just for the Packers. There's going to be a market for his services. I think the Packers are going to try to get to the front of that line if and when they move on from Joe Barry. You bring up something I guess I hadn't really pondered before, and I don't know if we really know the answer, but how much of all this change going on that Matt LaFleur is making, is Matt LaFleur on his own, or is being pressed by Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, to make some of these changes? The front office, not just for the Packers, for most teams, doesn't play that active of a role in what players do or don't play other than deciding who's on the roster. They do have that lever to pull. If there's a player that they just don't want to see on the field, they can release that player. And we've seen that at times with the Packers. But in terms of who plays, that's on the coaching staff and ultimately on the head coach. So when it comes to, for example, Keyshawn Nixon, that wasn't, oh, Amari Rogers was a third-round pick. Therefore, he has to play over a guy they just picked up out of free agency back in the middle of the spring. No, that's on the coaching staff. Remember, Keyshawn Nixon didn't even get a lot of chances in mini camp, in training camp, to show what he could do as a returner. That's not the front office making that decision. That's the coaching staff. So I think when you look at these various decisions, for the most part, and all the big ones, that's on Matt LaFleur and his staff. And, you know, Brian Gutekunst does get criticized a lot, sometimes fairly. This is not a situation where I think you can lay this at his feet. I'm surprised. If that's how the NFL works, that's different than Major League Baseball and the NBA. Because I know for a fact, around front offices I've been around in the NBA and MLB, those guys are making decisions. Are making decisions on lineups in baseball. Are making decisions on playing time in basketball to head coaches. I've seen that play out multiple times in my radio career of that being said to coaches. So I'm surprised if that really is how football works. If they're that hands-off in football. I guess that's kind of surprising. It's good. I don't have a problem with it. I like having coaches have more say. That's probably how I think it should be completely. But usually in the other sports, these front offices, especially in baseball, are far more meddling than they are uh, what appears to be uh, in football. Jason Hirshhorn, follow him on Twitter at by underscore JBH, co-founder of The Leap, a Packers newsletter. Him and Peter Bukowski do this. Tell everybody uh, what they get if they sign up for this, and then how do they sign up for it? Well, you can find The Leap at theleap.substack.com. That's where Peter and I post all of our stories. It arrives in your inbox every morning during the week. Uh, We like to cover the Packers in a way that is different than the rest of the beat, in that we are able to really focus in on some of the more important and in some cases more niche developments on the team. That's our focus. We want to tell you the why and the how. We'll leave the what to everybody else because we know that you've watched the game. Uh, this week, we on Monday today, we put our story out about the Miami game. We're going to immediately pivot now to the postseason possibilities, the game upcoming against the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to look at this rookie class. as one of the big questions for us going into this week. Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt are suddenly being used in very different ways than they were earlier in the season, and we're going to talk a lot about that because that's very impactful, not just for the Packers in 2022, but down the line, obviously. 
So we have a lot going on there. We encourage everybody to check it out. Again, that's theleap.substack.com, and you can find my work posted on Twitter at by underscore JPH, Peter's work at Peter underscore Bukowski, and you can find the Leap's Twitter account at theleapgb for, you know, Green Bay. Absolutely. There he is, Jason B. Hirshhorn again, uh, SB Nation, of course, NFL and college football, but again, co-founder of the Leap Packers newsletter. Check that out with Substack. Jason, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Sparky. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 